0: Hi! Welcome to the CGOE Sports Show Podcast. On this episode, we've got Lee Hextall to tee up the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Jets and Blues starting Wednesday night. Lots of coverage on that as well. Derek Ingram is a Winnipegger. He's a golf coach. Corey Connors, one of his pupils, if you will. He just won his first PGA tournament and he qualified for the Masters. He's from Listowel, Ontario. We'll talk to Derek on the podcast. We'll bring in Leah Hextall now uh, for the first time since the playoff matchups have been set in stone. So we went into Saturday, Leah, having about a million different possible combinations of what's going to happen. It ended up being exactly what it was going into the day. So no real surprises for the matchups. But let's start with the, uh, the Blues Jets, your immediate thoughts heading into this round one battle.
1: Well, I think it's going to be exactly what everybody thinks it's going to be. These are two really strong hockey clubs. And when you look up and down their lineup, really, it's almost a draw. I mean, these are two teams that are deep down the middle. They have the ability to score. They have offensive threats. They have strong defensemen that are also able to activate and get in on the action. But the one thing that I see, Christian, when I look at this, and Goaltending is always everything when it comes to the playoffs. It is everything. If you have a goaltender, you have a chance. But I really, truly believe that this will be the turning point and the deciding factor within this series when it comes down to Connor Hellibug going up against Jordan Bingington. And the fact is, is that Jordan Bingington, at 25 years of age, has come in for the St. Louis teams and really been a driving force and provided the team in front of him a great deal of confidence in his play in order to get their season turned around. He's allowed the second-least goals to the Boston Bruins since he came in in January. You can't take anything away from him. But the fact of the matter is it does also come down to experience. The playoffs are a different beast, and he has 13 playoff games, and none of those are in the National Hockey League. They were all with San Antonio in the American Hockey League, and there's a difference. And we've heard a lot of people say – including Paul Maurice, that we haven't seen this Blues team because they haven't faced them since 2018, and the turnaround came after that fact. That's a true statement. But on the other side of that coin is that Binghamton hasn't seen the Winnipeg Jets. He hasn't felt Patrick Lyon shot. He hasn't seen their power play go to work. He hasn't been around Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler, Dustin Bufflin, and all those options coming at him along with the defense like Tyler Myers that's able to activate and get up in the play. So for me, it's really going to come down to how Jordan Binghamton settles in, handles the pressure, because Connor Hellebuck has been here before. 17 games of playoff experience, a Western Conference final last year. He knows what he's about to go into. And that means a lot, especially when it comes into net. So I'm really going to be watching the goaltending, because I think that's what's going to decide this series.
0: And it's funny, we think of Bennington as this, you know, young rookie. He's two months younger than Connor Hellebuck. But that's just the nature of... (laughs) His journey to get to where he is today, where he spent a lot of time in the minors going into this season had thirteen minutes of NHL experience. And then he had backed up uh Island for a bit, a couple appearances in December, and then since his first career start in January has just been amazing. 24-5-1, 1.89 goals against average, 927 save percentage. But the question is, once the playoff comes, what's gonna happen? And we've seen this the Blues maybe the last decade have been a pretty good team most years. And oftentimes, whether it's Brian Elliott, Yaroslav Halak, Jake Allen, Ryan Miller, it just doesn't work in the playoffs.
1: No, it doesn't. And I think that's a great point by you because I was thinking about that earlier today is the fact that the St. Louis Blues, every year, and I go back to, I remember when they were really highly touted to win the cup and it was back in 2012 when the Kings won it for the first Mm. time. And they went in and they swept St. Louis and it was a huge upset. And the fact is, is that St. Louis is always built so well and it's such a structured team from top to bottom, but yet they kept having those playoff letdowns. Well, here's the thing this year, there's no pressure. There should be pressure. You look at that roster. Look at how much talent there. They have two of the best centermans. You look at Ryan O'Reilly. He's probably the best faceoff man in the game. Vladimir Tarasenko is unreal. Alexander Steen is on their fourth line. And then just look at Alex Petrangelo, Jay Bowmeister, who has, do not count him out. He's rejuvenated and he has all this playoff experience. Colton Preco, the list goes on and on. But it's going to be interesting to see how the Blues perform when they're the underdog how the Blues perform when there is no pressure because this is all house money because the Blues were last place in the National Hockey League and many thought would end up being in this draft lottery that's coming up. But instead, here they are with everyone looking at them to upset the Winnipeg Jets in the first round.
0: Well, that's you say they're the underdog, but you just said that most people think they're going to win. So does that not make them the favorite then?
1: It doesn't because there's so much pressure on the Jets. There's so much pressure on the Jets especially because they just clinched home ice. I don't know if people give home ice enough credit. And for the Winnipeg Jets, they needed to go into that game and pick up two points in the final regular season game of the year. They put themselves in that position to clinch home ice. And trust me, that was something that this team, if they hadn't won that hockey game and received home ice, they would have been devastated. And it's not just about how incredible the fan base here. and We all know how electric this city is about to get, even though Mother Nature is snowing on us right now. It's the old Winnipeg Whiteout. It's already coming a couple of days early. But it's more so that Paul Maurice is going to be able to do what Paul Maurice does now, and that is the chess match. In regular season games, yes, last change is important. You can do things with it. You can use your matchups, but in the playoffs, When you're talking multiple games and you can find a combination with a line that can shut someone down, that last change is so pivotal and can change a series. So I really think that that home ice is so crucial to the Winnipeg Jets being able to capture this first-round win and move on to that second round.
0: And let's talk about the coaching on the other side. You have Craig Berube, who is a not a rookie coach. He coached with the Philadelphia Flyers for a couple of years, made the playoffs lost in seven games in 2014, but it's a, it's a man with not a lot of experience. He came in on an interim role. You talk about house money. What is the coaching matchup between Maurice and Barube?
1: You know, I look back at this and I know that a lot of people look at Craig Berube and think, Oh, well, when they fired Mike, yo, that was the start of the transformation of this Blues team. They started to play, I don't necessarily give as much credit to Bay because when you look at how they play and for what I've heard from other people who know better than I, other coaches, there's, we always hear about St. Louis's structure. We've heard that time and time again. They're still playing the same structure, the same systems that they were. It's just that the players started to do what the players can do. I, I would give this matchup to Paul Maurice any day of the week I would give most matchups to Paul Maurice any day of the week and when you talk to people that are inside the organization and other coaches in the brethren they talk about how incredibly intelligent he is when it comes to that chess match so that again stems back to why I think home ice is so very important in this series
0: So we start Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Game two is 8.30 p.m. on Friday. We talked about kind of the anxiety of this fan base on Friday. How important is winning game one for Winnipeg?
1: (laughs) It's not a deal breaker, Christian, but I think that it will set off a reaction around the team, and not necessarily internally. But here's the thing. The playoffs are all about eliminating noise. The team that can eliminate noise and distraction is going to win the Stanley Cup. The team that is only focused on their room and what they're doing in the task at hand will win the Stanley Cup. But the fact is, is that I do think that there are some players in this room with the Jets that will hear the noise. They have a lot of youth. They're the second youngest hockey club within the National Hockey League. And Patrick Liney has been hearing it all year. Nikolai Ehlers has been hearing it all year. And I don't think they're going to leave their social media. I don't think they're going to drop off the face of the earth, even though they should. So for me, winning game one is really pivotal because first it puts you up in a playoff series and you have a chance to go up 2-0 at home ice. And that's a huge deal heading into St. Louis. But I do think that if the Jets can avoid that internal, external panic mode, that that would be a really great benefit. So, I mean, it probably sounds like a no-brainer. Of course you want to win game one. But I have a feeling if the Jets lose game one, even if it's a two-to-one decision and they play really well, there's still going to be too much panic that goes Mm -hmm. on in this city and alone in this province.
0: I don't disagree with that at all. Josh Morrissey sounds like he's going to play Wednesday. How much does that help?
1: Oh, oh. I mean, I can't like, I mean, is there a bigger stud on the blue line than Josh Morrissey? The answer is no. He's their best defenseman hands down. He's one of the best defensemen in the league. I mean, we remember if everyone does, he got suspended for a game in the series against the Minnesota Wild last year for the cross check to Eric Stahl. And you really noticed that he wasn't out there. And that would be the same thing, especially against the St. Louis team, which is a heavy team. They've got lots of offense on their D as well. He is so pivotal. And the best thing about it, and you heard Maurice talk about it earlier in the show, they're not worried about his conditioning. The hit on Buffen when he came back was that it took him a few games. Well, of course it did. He had a lower body injury. He's missed almost half the season because of it. His conditioning in a big man like that is going to take a moment. But for Morrissey he's been able to roll. He's been able to skate almost the entire time. So I think he's just going to come back and be ready to go. And you're talking about a guy who's going to chew up a ton of minutes for you, important minutes for you play in all situations. We'll see what that does to the power play. Cause no matter how well Jacob Trouba has been doing, I mean, I can't see Morrissey coming back and not getting a spot there and bumping up buff, but we'll wait and see what happens there. But Speaking of Truba, now you have Bufflin, now you have Morrissey, and now you have a Jacob Truba with a ton of confidence as he's had a sensational time over the last couple months. So I'm excited. You can tell I'm excited just talking about it. I think uh, this also helps with Connor Hellebuck because it helps to, you know, limit the blemishes that he might have right now too because he has so much structure in front of him. So this is the best news because I really, I said this last week, I was told six to eight weeks when the original injury happened and here he is ready to go first round. And maybe that's just what being young does for you.
0: Before I let you go, Leah, just looking around the league, which top team is most ripe to be upset in round one?
1: Ooh, that's a really good one. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say the Winnipeg Jets. No surprise there. Um, you know what? The thing is, is that I, a lot of people don't think that the Pittsburgh Penguins are a top team, but they're a multiple Stanley cup champion was still one of the best players in the world on their roster in number 87. And I really think that against the Islanders, that could be, that could be your upset right there. And you could see them go away real early. So we'll have to wait and see though.
0: And if I were to say you could have Tampa Bay or the field to win the cup, who would you pick?
1: (laughs) I'm going to pick Tampa Bay. I, you know, you know how I feel about this team. You know how most people feel about this team. Um, I just think that this is a team that is ready to win. And it's not just because of how they performed in the regular season and that they've done really well, Christian. It's because they've been here. They have that playoff experience. They've gotten a taste to what it means to get to so close to being the top four last getting towards the Stanley Cup. And I really think that they're ready to take that next step. And unlike everyone else, Christian, I don't believe that the regular season, I hate that saying that, oh, the regular season doesn't matter because it's a new season. Yes, it's a fresh sheet of ice. And if you finish first or if you finish in the eighth spot, You're on level playing ground, but are you really? Because I'm sorry, everything you do in the regular season builds the team, builds the system, builds the character and allows you to be the team you are entering the playoffs. So I believe in the regular season and its merit, and that's a big reason why I believe in Tampa Bay.
0: Well, Lee, I can't wait till Wednesday. It's the best time of year, Stanley Cup playoffs almost here. Appreciate your time, and uh, we have a lot to talk about on Friday for sure.
1: We will. The great thing about it, Christian, is it's going to be a good series. It's going to be good hockey.
0: From Monday qualifier to the Masters in a span of seven days, Listowel Ontario's Corey Connors claimed his first PGA Tour victory yesterday and earned an invite to this week's Masters, winning the Valero Texas Open less than a week after qualifying, fired a 666 to finish 20-under. Two shots over Charlie Hoffman. It was a final round roller coaster that included 10 birdies. My goodness. Winnipeg's Derek Ingram is Corey's coach as well as the head coach of Canada's national men's teams. And he joins me now on the CGOB Sports Show. Derek, how was your weekend?
2: Well, obviously uh, nerve-wracking and and, uh, super exciting, though.
0: Absolutely. So, uh, going into that final round, Corey was right in the thick of it. I remember talking to you about a year ago, I believe on the the sports Sunday about Corey when he was in the hunt at a, at a tournament, how are you feeling about his chances going into the final round?
2: Well, he's been, you know, playing really good golf and not get, re- getting rewarded for it for about a month. He had a great tournament at the players and had a bad last final round. And, and honestly at the players, he's one of the top ball strikers, uh, in the field, so if he putted even average, it would have been a top ten. Uh, so we knew he was playing good, and and he's been training in the right direction, and, and you know, he's been working hard on on staying calm and, and handling those those nerve wracking situations, which he obviously needed on Sunday. I was optimistic that he was going to have a great week and, uh, and certainly a good final round, and I wasn't sure he'd win, but I thought he'd play very well.
0: So he's four under through five holes, and then he bogeys four straight to close out the front nine in the final round. What were your thoughts as he made the turn?
2: Well, you know, I knew he, the first time I actually saw him nervous because he's a pretty calm guy. And, uh, you know, the first time I had concern was that shot at number seven. He kind of pole hooked it in the bunker and it plugged, it was a really difficult spot. Uh, and he just just doesn't hit shots like that very often. He's such a such a great iron player. So at that point, I was like, hmm, he's definitely nervous. He needs to calm himself down here and, and really just re- regroup. Um, you know, having a break between 9 and 10, or it's a long walk. I was there this week, so it was a really, really long walk between 9 and 10, and there's an opportunity to maybe go to the bathroom and, and take a breath. I thought that would be great for him and uh, just to refocus, and, and, and clearly he did that and, and uh, turned the tables there in the back nine.
0: Yeah, absolutely. He goes six under on the back nine. Birdies 10, 11, 12, 14, 16, and 17. A day in which he has four pars in a final round. What does that say about this guy?
2: Well, he certainly uh, he's he's gotten over the hump for sure. I mean, that's not normally his game. His game is probably more suited to, to extremely tough golf courses, and this is generally one of the tough golf, toughest golf courses on tour. So, but his game is more of a U.S. Open type game, uh, where he's going to make a ton of pars and a few birdies, and he's super steady and and stuff. So, to to win in that fashion and to to, to do it really on that stage was uh, it says a lot about Corey and and how he's progressed over the years.
0: Four rounds in the 60s is hard to do on the PGA Tour. Well, especially that course,
2: Christian. It's it's a difficult course. It's you know if you miss the fairway, there's tons of rocks and trees, and and it's just you know cactus everywhere. And you know if you miss the fairway by five feet, you could be absolutely dead and have to chip it straight sideways. So yeah, I know it's it's impressive golf.
0: Was the idea of qualifying for the Masters a part of his mindset going into this, or was it just do the best he can at this tournament?
2: You know, he like I said, he had been playing great. And first, he had to Monday qualify to get into this tournament. Then, thankfully, you know, we don't see this very really often. He missed the cut in the Dominican Republic, so he was able to get back for the Monday qualifying, which is, you know, almost as tough as winning a tournament. Uh, you know, qualifying for the Masters, we, he was there in 2015, and played quite well. He was the low amateur, so but it wasn't really on the radar. To, to be fair, I mean, he was focused on uh, playing great golf and, and having a great week, and and the Masters thing. Was just a really an added bonus. We we always felt like we'd play in a lot of Masters tournaments. I said this to him. I said you're going to play in 15 Masters tournaments, but uh, we didn't know it come so quickly for sure.
0: So to be able to now make that transition, not a lot of time to get ready for the Masters. What's this next week going to look like for him heading into Thursday? Yeah, well,
2: it's a it's a whirlwind. He's just been slammed, uh, but in a good way. You know that's that's what you want. Uh, you know uh, all the and interviews late into the late last night and then you know the private jet that the valero has for the winner to get from san antonio to to augusta and then getting there today there will be just a zillion interviews and i'm actually on my way today i'm going to spend tomorrow with him and help him prepare for the tournament uh, before i move on to to orlando so uh yeah no he's he's uh he's got a busy week his course is really suited for this for for augusta national and in this tournament and and we did probably you know just incredible prep last time we were there in 2015 so he can rest up and take care of his body and and stuff so it should be another great week for
0: him if he can calm down and and really uh, get back into his routines so let me check you said he's played at augusta before yes
2: yeah, he played there in 2015. He was a uh, semi-finalist, sorry, a finalist in the U.S. amateur, and, and the, both the finalists and the, uh, get invited. And so he had, a, he had a great tournament there and was low amateur that year. Did miss the cut, but shot 69 in the second round. And, and the course is great for Corey's game. He plays a, a high draw, uh, great for the, the, the tee shots at Augusta.
0: Now, in four years, obviously a lot can change with a golfer's game. How different is his game now, and how better suited is he to to handle this than he was back in 2015?
2: Well, the game hasn't changed too too much. He's he's always been a tremendous ball striker and a guy that I have felt, and you know, I said this for years, not trying to add pressure, but I've always felt like he's going to be a guy who wins on tour every year for for 10 or 15 years. Uh, but so he, but he's he's better now than he was then, and he's way more mature. Uh, And in the limelight and under the spotlight, uh, he is uh, he's much more prepared for it. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we can, uh, you know, he can have another great tournament and and really prepare like he can. And, uh, you know, people can start to hear a lot more about Corey Connors.
0: Well, I think a lot of the tension yesterday was on his wife. They showed the shots of Mallory so much of of her reactions (laughs) in the crowd. Just talk about their relationship and how big a fan she is of him.
2: Well, childhood sweethearts, you know, went to the same high school, lived in the same small town, always been together as a boyfriend, girlfriend, and, you know, getting engaged and recently married. I mean, she's perfect for him, and and he's perfect for her. They're just the most down-to-earth, super nice people you'll ever meet, and she's just the most supportive, unconditional, loving uh you know, wife there is. And so, and she's just got a a lot of character, but that was, that was a classic watching her. And I I walked with her, I was there, I walked with her on uh, Thursday and Friday's round and she gets so excited and and Corey's so calm. So they're, they're complete opposites, but, uh, some of the pictures and the videos they got yesterday
0: just made me crack up. Yeah. They're pretty good. Yeah. From listable, Ontario, small Ontario town. It just goes to show you, right. a, A great golfer can really come from anywhere.
2: Oh, for sure. I mean, uh, you know part of the part of the advantage of being from a small town or a small center is that you have uh, exceptional access to facilities and you know golf's one of those games that you don't get good at unless you spend a lot of time in the golf course or in the practice area or both. And so uh, that's maybe an advantage versus growing up in a big city like Toronto or Vancouver. so yeah that's it's uh, it, truly a great player in golf can come from anywhere.
0: So you get to go to Augusta for a little bit, just as a, as a golfer and a golf coach and a golf fan, what is it like to be there?
2: It's uh, honestly, Christian, it's a little bit unreal. Like it's, it's not even like sometimes you'll bend over and touch the grass that you're walking on because it's in such perfect condition. You're not sure if it's fake or real. <laughs> and, and I'm serious with that. It's really like, it's like a magic land. And so fortunate I've been fortunate enough. I was there with Mackenzie Hughes, another player uh, two years ago, and then Corey four years ago. And, and and then we were there in preparation a few times before the tournament. So I've been there a lot, but it's always very special and it's a dream come true for me to go back again. And, and especially with a player that I've invested so much time with. And I just, you know, I, I love so much and have uh, such a you know, deep relationship with. So, uh, for me, it's it's going to be a real thrill, and uh, and I'm really looking forward to it.
0: Well, Derek, I appreciate you taking time to talk to me today. Uh, good luck, safe travels, and uh, wish Corey Connors the best of luck from all of us in Canada.
2: No, th- thanks very much. It's my pleasure to be on, uh, Christian.
0: Check out the CJOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. with Christian O'Mell and the Sports Show Podcast. Not available on iTunes, not available on Google Podcasts, not available anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. Yes.